Artificial intelligence in the newsroom, has it already progressed from an idea to reality? And is the journalism world keeping pace with the evolution of new technologies? I'm something of a novice, even a skeptic, in regard to the subject. And having recently read Clara and the Sun by Ishiguro on the kind of role AI might play in our lives, and subsequently learning about the way in which AI is playing out in newsrooms, I had this image in my head of robotic journalists doing the job of real ones. I'm sure I'm not the only one who skeptically pictured artificial intelligence playing out in this way, and I would suppose this isn't too far-fetched, as artificial intelligence, according to a world-renowned expert, is about intelligent machines that learn from experience and perform tasks like humans. But there's so much more to this. With me today to shed further light on the rollout of artificial intelligence in smaller newsrooms in particular is Mattia Peretti, who's at the helm of running Journalism AI at Polis in the Department of Media and Communications at the London School of Economics. And this involves research, training, and collaborative initiatives. I'm Gwen Lister, host of the NMT's Free Speak podcast, in which we discuss all things media. So welcome all to this third episode in season two of our bi-monthly podcast. Welcome, Mattia, and thanks for taking time to talk to us and also to help us understand more about this intriguing subject in the future of journalism. It will have a huge impact. I've got no doubt about that. Hi, Gwen. Thanks for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much once again. Mattia, let's go right into the, the subject. Perhaps to start with something of a multi-pronged question. What does the concept of artificial intelligence in the newsroom really mean for those who are not au fait with the idea? Is it an opportunity or is it a threat? A recent article in The Conversation in South Africa reckoned that the future of journalism and its survival could lie in artificial intelligence. And we all know that traditional media hastened by the onset of the COVID pandemic, are in a state of deep demise. Can artificial intelligence help with some of these sustainability problems? The short answer is a resounding yes, of course. Um, I think uh, the AI poses, of course, many challenges to the world and to society, and that includes journalism and news organizations. And it's clearly both an opportunity and a threat. It's an immense opportunity for the power that it may have to make journalists work more efficient, uh, to uh, allow journalists to focus on the more creative and really human aspects of their jobs and less on those repetitive tasks that any journalist is very familiar with in their day. And at the same time, offers to organizations the opportunity to work better, reach their audiences in a more efficient and effective way. And at the end of the day, hopefully help the bottom line of newsrooms, which, as you said, uh, has been uh, facing quite some challenges from a financial and business point of view, even before the pandemic, I would say. The pandemic just exacerbated uh, difficulties that, that were already there. Mattia, I'm just going back to the Ishiguro uh, um, novel in terms of the, which obviously deals with the issue of artificial friends. There are many people out there who are nervous that AI will substitute the role of real journalists, 
But that's not not the intent of it, is it? Uh, not only it's not the intent, but it's also a completely unrealistic expectation. Right. I think, unfortunately, the idea of artificial intelligence in uh, the public has been uh, misguided by science fiction. And again, we all love a good science fiction movie with the robots taking over uh, the planet. But uh, in reality, uh, we're nowhere close to anything like that. I am not in a position, and no one really is, to be in a position that artificial intelligence will never become as intelligent as humans. But surely that's not going to happen in our lifetimes. It's nowhere close to be the reality. And most of the misunderstanding around this topic comes from a lack of explanation, honestly, from both the science community and journalists of the difference between artificial narrow intelligence and general intelligence. So when you see a science fiction movie or you read a science fiction book where robots or machines take over and they can think on their own, that's the idea of artificial general intelligence, which is what many hope we might get to one day. Some research centers are working in that direction with the mission of uncovering uh, what will allow us to get there. But at the end of the day, any artificial intelligence that we use today in journalism and in any other field is narrow, which means that is a piece of code, an algorithm, a machine learning model, or anything else that has become, because we trained it, extremely good at doing one thing fast and efficiently. But we are nowhere close to create any technology, any artificial intelligence that can do many different things in parallel as us humans luckily are able to do thanks to our amazing brains. I must say I'm rather relieved to hear that. <laughs> We're not going to be <laughs> substituted anytime in the near future. Um, Mattia, um, big news companies have the resources to invest in these kind of technologies. But where does it leave the small newsroom which really lacks the finances, never mind to invest in AI, but also just to run their newsrooms on a sustainable basis? And, and, and what do you see as the kind of support they need to, to keep up with the bigger uh, companies? I'm very happy to answer this question because it really is at the core exactly. of what my team's mission is. Uh, so just to briefly recap on that, as you said in your introduction, I manage this project, the Journalism AI, uh, which is a much smaller project that people tend to think when they get to meet us. We are yeah. a team of uh, four okay. uh, based in uh, London, in Turin in Italy and in Bangalore in India. So it's a distributed team. And uh, really at the core of what we do from the start with funding from the Google News Initiative is the idea of informing media organizations about the potential of AI and then also helping them understand how to make the most of this potential without wanting to push artificial intelligence to newsrooms. We actually host debates on when and in what situations AI is the right tool to use because it's not always the solution to our problems. Right. Actually, rarely it may be. And to come, to come to your question, uh, we're actually hosting uh, this fall, a course for 20 news organizations across Africa, Europe, and Middle East. And it's for small organizations only to help them understand exactly how they can benefit. Because you said it perfectly. The New York Times and the Washington Post and maybe other big media 
can and do invest in technology and in artificial intelligence. Maybe they build technology in-house or they work and pay external providers to build the technology on their behalf. But obviously the vast majority of their news organizations cannot afford to do that. So our mission is really to leverage the power of our network and the experts in our network to then explain smaller outlets where they can start what tools that are readily available and maybe not too expensive, they can start to use to familiarize themselves with AI. Uh, what kind of skills their people might need to acquire because they may not be in a position to hire uh, um, a high level data scientist just out of a big uh, university, uh, but they may train their journalists or people with other roles in the newsroom to understand the basics of machine learning and AI and still make the most of some of the easy to achieve opportunities that AI has to offer. Sounds fascinating. And, and I'm very interested to see how this continues to play out as you go forward with this uh, training, uh, Mathieu. But you mentioned it briefly, and, and that's really coming to the heart of my question, especially in the African context, perhaps. Are our journalists ready for, for AI? In other words, you've hinted at it already. They will need specialized training on things like data literacy, and of course, ethical issues and algorithms, for example, uh, to keep pace with the use of AI in the newsroom. What, what are you doing in this regard? And is that also something that's close to your heart? I mean, ethics really strikes me as very important in this context as well. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think it's, at the, it's also at the core really of what we do, the idea of um, raising awareness and also helping literacy of journalists. Right. Because I, I don't personally think, and it's not our project mission to convince everyone that each single journalist need to become a data scientist and learn how to code. To me, that's not the point. Sure. It's really about the data literacy that you referred to. So understanding how data works, how algorithms do their work, and being able not only to maybe use them, if that's possible, but also reporting on the impact of algorithms on our lives. I think some of the most interesting examples that we have seen from uh, mid-sized newsrooms exploring with AI have come from uh, organizations that create teams uh, that are dedicated to both product development using AI technologies so that they can help the newsrooms, but the same people in the same team also report on the impact of algorithms on okay. society. Because I think matching these two really allows you to get uh, awareness uh, and uh, the understanding also of the risks posed by these new technologies that you need to then make the most in a responsible way of the technology itself. Absolutely. Very interesting that, uh, and especially as I say, to look at the ethical component is something I'm sure that there'll be a lot more focus on in the future. This is also just a reminder to everyone out there that you're listening to the NMT's Free Speak podcast where we discuss all things media. So don't miss an episode of Free Speak by subscribing on SoundCloud. Mattia, how does one implement AI in the newsroom and at the same time ensure journalistic independence is protected and that it continues to contribute to value-added content and that real jobs aren't lost in the process? I mean, it's a complicated question, but I think, um, you know, one of the things we're focusing on right now as we go forward to basically save good journalism, if that's the right phrase, is looking at, at content and very good content and also 
To a certain extent, although AI doesn't intend to replace the role of journalists, there may be cases where it actually does result in jobs being lost as more money is spent on tech and data and less on real journalistics or journalists themselves. I think you're, you're raising an important point here. And my perspective and research tends to confirm that uh, uh, technology, not only AI, but technology in general, doesn't necessarily make jobs disappear in the, the journalistic context, but uh, transforms jobs. Okay. Like the newsroom, a newsroom 100 years ago was extremely different from a newsroom today in terms Absolutely. of the roles, of course, that you may have. Yeah. Definitely, there were no social media managers, even probably 20, 30 years ago, or there was no need for designers or developers in the newsroom. Maybe there was just, you know, of course, the people who know how to make the newspaper printed beautiful, but uh, there were kind of different roles. The advent of the uh, of web, of course, created new roles. Uh, social media created new roles and needs. And I think AI, it's just a, a third wave of this where newsrooms are understanding that to provide value to their audiences, which at the end of the day is what journalism should be, uh, new roles are needed. So yes, maybe we will need less uh, writers, so to speak, but we will need more people with the technology to make sure that the content that is written by the journalists and the writers reaches more audiences and reaches the audiences better and actually help them inform those audiences. I am of the opinion that journalism is not the art of writing well and writing a lot of articles. Journalism is serving your community and serving your audiences so then they have the information to navigate the world in a conscious way. Technology changes what that means and how we can deliver that. It's always been the case and I'm pretty optimistic of uh, how AI will actually improve all of this. Again, that optimism, it's uh, absolutely linked uh, to a responsible use of these technologies. We can't expect, escape that. Exactly. And I mean, you're absolutely right, Mattia, about the ever-changing news environment. I mean, I know as a person who comes from the era of hot lead, um, how, you know, especially print media changed over the years and with the onset of the web and, and digital media and so on, and it's ever-changing and innovating and I mean hopefully as we go forward we won't lose the essentials of good journalism which as you say is public service really. Um, Mattia, looking at because you say you're working with about uh, 20 uh, media and I presume that's uh, you mentioned also in Africa. What, what are your perceptions so far? How does AI play out in media on both sides if you like of the north-south digital divide? Are African newsrooms lagging a little behind the rest? Obviously, they don't have the wherewithal and the financial clout of the New York Times or the Washington Post and so on. But do you see there's a big difference between the two right now? Or are we closer than we think? Yeah, so let me just quickly clarify. The 20 newsrooms that you're referring to are the participants who will join uh, the AI Academy for Small Newsrooms that okay. I referenced before. And this academy will start actually in uh, uh, September and run for six weeks from September to October. So I haven't yet personally interacted with those newsrooms beyond, of course, the selection process with the participants themselves. Okay. Uh, not to escape your question, but just to clarify this part. I think when it comes uh, to the differences between news organizations and their ability and opportunity to adopt AI, uh, in our experience, what we have seen so far is that uh, 
it's not necessarily just a geographical divide, but it's really mostly a financial one, the one we were referring before. So the bigger organizations with the resources to implement AI do that well, regardless of where they are. Obviously, of course, wealth tend to be concentrated more into the US and Europe, yes. but there are also amazing organizations in Southeast Asia, just to make an example, and in Asia in general that are doing great work with AI. A smaller newsroom, of course, struggles more than them, regardless of where they're based. So that's why we really believe in uh, the mixing of geographies, as we will do in the academy. As I referenced, these 20 participants will come from different parts of Europe, from across Africa and from the Middle East, because we have seen and we have learned from them in the application process already how their challenges are shared. It doesn't matter where they are based, they really share similar challenges when it comes to really understanding how to use AI and technology. Okay, that's that's fascinating. And the other thing is, you know, I, I would suppose that looking at the sort of uh, investigative units, sometimes cross-border units that have sprung up, um, obviously globally, like the ICIJ, and also in the African context, I would guess that most of those units, in a sense, although they might not yet call it AI are doing a lot of data journalism and things like that. And that leads me to my next question, whether you can already give, apart from that, sort of fairly specific examples of where newsrooms are already using AI quite effectively and uh, whether it's working at all. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, like I'm, I'm really happy to hear you mentioning like uh, uh, investigative collaborations across the world, uh, because collaboration is something that we strongly believe in and that we promote with Journalism AI. So a big part of our work from last year is actually coordinating collaborations between newsrooms across the world that work together to develop new ideas in the AI space. So uh, collaboration is really, we believe, uh, an accelerator for in a field like artificial intelligence, because it's hard for individual organizations to work on their own while they have so much they can learn from each other to accelerate the AI adoption process. That said, going into examples, um, we in the report that we published already back in 2019, uh, we surveyed uh, a lot of, of course, applications of AI in mm -hmm. journalism. And mostly we tended to use uh, a framework that was actually developed by people of the Associated Press in the US that divide the applications of AI into three different buckets, depending at what point of the journalistic process they intervene. So there are applications of AI in the news gathering phase, in the news production and then in the news distribution as well. Of course, this is a bit of a forced framework, meaning that not every single application will fall squarely into just one right. of the three buckets, right. uh, but it helps understand what AI can do. So let me just give you some quick examples. Sure. Uh, investigative journalists, as you said already, are making great use of AI and in the specific machine learning uh, for, for their investigations. It comes from analyzing big amount of data, being that data uh, text-based or images uh, or even numeric uh, records. Right. There are some great examples also from the ICIJ actually that you referenced exactly. uh, that uh, they collaborated with the Quartz AI studio, a team that unfortunately doesn't exist anymore at Quartz. 
uh, to use machine learning for their big investigations from the Mauritius leaks uh, to others that they produced after the Panama Papers. Right, and actually, right. I had more than one conversation with people at ICIJ who worked on the Panama Papers at the time, them, they themselves saying how they wished machine learning was already there when they worked on the Panama Papers, because they are absolutely sure they could have uncovered even more stories in absolutely. that Absolutely. I mean, I was just to interrupt you, I was a founder member of the ICIJ and I also, you know, when the Panama Papers came out, I mean, and you saw the huge body of, of documents that had to be gone through, I'm certain it would have benefited them a lot back then. Yeah, exactly. So that's great to hear that you have direct experience, of course, of this. And uh, adding to that, yeah, going into the other two buckets, as I call them, examples of use the use of AI coming to the news production phase as well. And those are the ones that are mostly referred to uh, when you read about this article has been written by a robot, which is a headline that personally I hate Absolutely. because there is nothing robotic in the process. We're talking about code. Uh, but yes, it is the idea of automating the production of certain articles right. when they are heavily data-based. So it could be financial earning reports or weather reports rather than summaries of uh, sports uh, games of any kind. Uh, if there is a lot of data that a story is based on, it's possible that that story can be, at least in part, automated. Of course, we still need the journalist to write a template and then the machine, so to speak, will fill in the numbers. Uh, but that's a useful partnership, of course, between the journalist and the algorithms. And to complete, sorry, this very long-winded answer, uh, when we go into the news distribution phase, there is, as I was referencing before, great potential for using AI and machine learning to really understand better your audiences, uh, what kind of content they prefer, when they prefer to receive it, and how and on what device and in what shape and form, uh, and to then tailor the production of the content to that. Uh, even pushing it forward to them being able to earn more money as a result of this, because the moment your product is uh, uh, and content is perceived as having more value because you're actually doing a better work of serving your audience in the way they need, then of course you increase the likelihood that we will be willing to pay for your journalism as well. I think that's very important what you've just mentioned, because of course that lies the, at the heart of the dilemma uh, that journalism faces at the moment is winning back the trust of of our, I don't necessarily use the word audiences, but of people who would normally read newspapers or consume the, the various types of media, and that we need to really do more to find out what they really want in order to win back that trust. So I think that's crucial. And I also like the fact that you uh, like the collaborative model, because again, if we look at the the way journalism has played out over the decades, um, this is something new as well, collaboration. You know, back in the day when I started out, it was all about scoop journalism and you worked very individually and in your own media and you would never dream of sharing any kind of information or content with competitors, so to speak. So I think that that's a way forward uh, for media in the future and I'm sure AI can, can be helpful in that regard. Mattia, I read just this morning, in fact, of an AP investigation in, I think it's called the Tract Series, which is supported by the Pulitzer Center for Crisis Reporting in the US. And, and it looks into the effects of algorithms and AI on people's lives. 
And this particular story involved a law enforcement gunshot monitoring device to battle crime. But without going into all the detail of what was a very complex story, it, it resulted in a man who was possibly innocent going to jail for murder. Um, and I think the upshot of the story, and I'm not sure if you've read it yet, showed that tech, like humans, can be imperfect and can get things wrong too. You know, in other words, there's a lot of power, but there's a lot of consequence that is also associated with things like AI and algorithms. Um, would you like to comment on this? Yeah, so I mean, I, I couldn't agree more with what you just said. The, when we published our report in 2019, the title of the report was New Powers, New Responsibilities. Okay. Exactly because this is the concept that we need to pass. Right. AI is not a magic wand. Right. AI is not perfect. Any uh, machine learning model or any algorithm is designed and created by humans. And so there may be errors that can uh, add, get into there. And there is surely our own bias. Into exactly. That. As humans, we are biased. All of us are. Absolutely. Not necessarily in extreme ways, as being hopefully not all of us are racist or something else. Or xenophobic, uh, but you're right. We all exactly. are people of bias or prejudice. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's inevitable somehow that some of that bias will creep in in the technology, but that's why it's extremely important to be aware of this bias and make sure to limit and have the safeguards in place to limit the multiplication of this bias via the technology. So I, I haven't read the specific story you were referencing to, uh, but there are unfortunately many examples like that. Okay. Different kind of institutions using technology, I don't think is limited to AI in not a very mindful way, probably thinking that it were just going, you know, to do the work instead of the humans without supervision. Right. Uh, unfortunately, that's just way too risky nowadays. And so it comes, it goes back to the idea of using these technologies responsibly because yes, they offer new powers, but they require us to have more responsibility. Absolutely. And I think you've hit the nail on the head with that. There's some tasks that just can't be done by, as you say, technology, and that it's the human at the end of the day that has to. Mattia, I don't want to take much more time from you because I know you're about to go on your summer holiday. So just to kind of wrap up and conclude this discussion, and I'm sure we could talk for hours about this. I know I certainly could, and it's wonderful to, to share with someone uh, of your level of expertise. But recently someone said, and I think we've proved that already, despite the negatives that may exist, that AI can certainly help journalism, but not only that, it can also help in the everyday life of citizens. AI clearly won't solve all the problems, and sometimes it looks like it can also create them, but it certainly can help to make a difference. There are some who even say it should be at the heart of journalism's new business model. So, Matthias, to conclude, your final comments, just to wrap up what has been a very interesting discussion. Thank you, Gwen. I think I, I, I agree with the outline you just put in there. Provided that we use it responsibly, technology has the opportunity to play an important role for society and for journalism. And it does already. Unfortunately, we see a lot of examples of when that is not done responsibly, but it's rarely a problem with the technology itself. Normally, it's a problem with us, the humans, and the way we design and use 
that technology itself. So I don't. I think it's almost an unnecessary statement to say AI should be at the core of the business of journalism in the future, because I think technology will be inevitably. It's not a decision we take. Our decision is how we will make use of technology to make the best possible journalism in the name of the public service you were referring to before. Yeah, because I, I do remember, you know, in the days when computers were very new and people used to say garbage in, garbage out. So as you say, Precisely. it really depends on the sort of the human and what we put in is, is what we get out. So Mattia, I'm going to say thank you very much once again. I'd love to keep uh, track of what you're doing, so please keep me posted as we go forward uh, so that we can make this a bigger discussion and also kind of, if you like, eliminate so many of the misperceptions about uh, artificial intelligence and what it really can do for us in the future, particularly in our newsrooms and in journalism in general. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Gwen. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's been a pleasure. And thank you again for uh, raising awareness on this important topic. Appreciate it. And all the best to you. Thank you, much. Thank you. Likewise. Bye. Bye-bye.